Hi, I'm Chris from Indianapolis. I'm Jeff from Oakland. I'm Maggie from Los Angeles. The Sound of Young America is produced independently. And supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to support the show like I did, visit MaximumFun.org. Slash donate. You'll be glad you did. I'm Jesse Thorne. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, it's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest, Bill Carter, is the national media reporter for the New York Times. He's also made a name for himself as a chronicler of late-night comedy television programming. His first book, The Late Shift, was a best-selling uh, story of the battle between Jay Leno and David Letterman for The Tonight Show. His latest book, The War for Late Night, When Leno Went Early and Television Went Crazy, is the story of the improbable second act of that drama in which um, Leno fought it out with Conan O'Brien uh, for that most coveted of television programs. Bill, welcome to The Sound of Young America. It's great to have you on the show. Well, it's great to be with you, Jesse. So, Bill, tell me why this battle keeps happening. What is it that's so important about this institution of The Tonight Show? You know, there are only a couple of shows now that basically go back to the beginning of television. Uh, you know, Today Show and Tonight Show, Meet the Press, shows like that. As um, the world turns. Uh, that, that, that got canceled. <laughs> that got canceled. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, it, so it really is, you know, one of the eternal pillars of television and uh it's a uniquely american form it was invented by american television other countries have tried it not with much success but america really you know has great comedians that can do this uh and i think the tonight show just became sort of this gold standard of both television programming and comedy you know for if you're a comedian that was the show a you wanted to break your career on and then if you were good enough you wanted to host it and Obviously, when Johnny Carson took it over and, and did it for 30 years, it really was raised into the stratosphere as, as you know, an icon of American entertainment. From New York, The Tonight Show, starring Johnny Carson. What was the power of The Tonight Show, uh, both over the American public and in the comedy world, when it was at its peak in, in say, the, the early mid-70s? You know, if you were a, a, any kind of entertainer, you really had to make it on the on the Tonight Show. If you had your movie opening, if you had your album opening, that was the place to go. And um, if for a comedian, uh, you watched Carson and you said, this guy is just masterful. He goes every night on the air. He comments on the national news. And obviously he could make and break po politicians by how he portrayed them. Uh, he had an enormous audience following him. He didn't seem to have an agenda. So people really followed him like, well, if he thinks Dan Quayle's an idiot, he's probably an idiot. Um, and, you know, I think that was a big element. And for for a young comedian um, growing up in, in that era, there was nothing like Carson because, he, he, remember, he's on every night. And I think everyone in America saw him at some point in their lives. He, he was a guy that everybody saw. So that made him have an enormously powerful position and one that if you were a comedian, you wanted to get not just on the show, but get his sanction. Like if he decided you were good enough to sit with him, that was a big step. If he brought you back, that was another huge step. You know, and if he gave his approval and people would know he gave his approval, 
that really made your life. I can remember Letterman saying to me when he first was on the show, and he really did a great spot, and unexpectedly Carson brought him over. He, it was just the highlight of his life. He, he came out of there feeling like you know he was literally on a cloud. He, he just couldn't believe this had happened to him. I, uh, I don't know if you heard the question that I was asked a moment ago by somebody from our audience when I was reading the cards. They asked if you were my son, <laughs> which I thought was, uh, well, flattering in a way. Uh, to whom? <laughs> <laughs> you're, a, you're a decent-looking person, but I... Oh, thank you. I, well, yeah. no, that's, uh, yeah, it is flattering in a way, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. Nice. How are you? Um, How has that changed, uh, first, by the very public battle between... Uh, uh, Carson's sort of chosen successor, Letterman, and NBC's chosen successor to Carson, Jay Leno. And, and then the first the first 10 years or so of Leno's very successful um, reign as, as the host of the show. Well, I think what really changed was that Letterman proved for the first time that somebody could go to another network and create a real competition. Nobody ever really fully competed with Carson. There were pockets of competition dick cavett and then arsenio hall but nobody really broke through and then so then you have this big star that nbc created going to another network and you know initially actually beating the tonight show it really changed the equations because there were basically two equal performers you know lena would win in the ratings but you know letterman would win the emmy every year and and the people who were in the comedy world, instead of saying, there's only one Johnny, well, now they would say, well, there's two shows. We kind of like Dave's show better, but the public likes the other guy better. And that's, that was the fundamental change, that The Tonight Show didn't stand alone. It wasn't the only place to go for this kind of thing. Thank you very much. Welcome to the uh, show. My name is Dave, and I checked this now with the CBS attorneys, and legally, I can continue to call myself Dave. So I'm... I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but there was some discussion when I left my old job at NBC. There was talk that maybe they would sue me if this show was anything like the old show. And, and frankly, I never took it very seriously. And then this morning, I wake up, and next to me in bed is the head of a peacock. So I don't know. It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Bill Carter. He wrote The Late Shift and, most recently, The War for Late Night. Both books are about scrambles for the coveted hosting chair of NBC's The Tonight Show. In 1993, shortly after he lost The Tonight Show to Leno, Letterman departed his late-night shift at NBC for The Late Show on CBS, which he still hosts today. Late Night on NBC was taken over by a new face, Conan O'Brien. Well, I've been in show business now 45 seconds, and this is the nicest reception I ever had. (laughs) Six or seven years ago, um, I guess it's a little more than that now, uh, Conan O'Brien had finally sort of established himself uh, as the host of the show that came after The Tonight Show, uh, Late Night. Um, And uh, he was a very hot property. Tell me a little bit about what was going on in the minds of NBC when Conan started to emerge while Jay was remained a, a very, very strong ratings winner. You know, I think one of the things that really motivated NBC was that they didn't want to repeat what happened with Letterman and, and uh, Leno. So they wanted to figure out a way that they could keep both the stars for as long as possible and then affect a smooth transition rather than having a fight between these two guys. 
So, so you have Conan just emerging and he's getting on the cover of Rolling Stone and he's hosting the Emmys and he's really making a name for himself with younger viewers. At the same time, Leno was continuing to win easily. So they're faced with a problem that if they don't somehow come up with a reason for Conan to stay, he's going to be lured away just like Dave was. In fact, the timing was interesting. It really came up about 11 years into Conan's run, which was exactly when Letterman left. So you had the Fox Network really pursuing him very heavily and offering him literally three times the salary to, to go. And so NBC, faced with that, had to come up with a plan, some sort of a plan that could give Conan the only thing that would make him stay, which was The Tonight Show. At the same time, not you know throwing Jay right out the window. Instead, they came up with this five-year plan, uh, a, the longest transition I've ever heard of in television, which usually takes changes in five minutes. But uh, but they they figured this was the only way to try to keep both guys for the longest possible period of time. Here's Jay Leno announcing that change on The Tonight Show back in 2004. I want to elaborate on the announcement made earlier today. You may have uh, heard about this, uh, that uh, I'm going to leave the show in 09. Okay. All right. no, let, me, let me explain. Let me explain how these things work. Uh, about six months ago, I sat down here with the folks at NBC, and they said, we want to re-up. And I said, okay, what do you want to do? Because I don't have a manager and agent. I... I like the people I work with. They're nice folks. And they said, we would like to do five more years. I said, great. I'd love to do five more years. And that was six months ago. And then time went by. Uh, there's all talk about Conan O'Brien. Will he go to ABC? Will he go to one of these other networks? And, and they came to me and they said, we don't want to lose Conan O'Brien. And I said, oh, okay, what does that mean? And I said, uh, well, um, we think Conan would be a good replacement, as I do. Conan is a gentleman, funny, the hottest late night guy out there. Excellent. I said, you know something, you can do these things until they carry on on a stretcher, or you can get out when you're still, you know, you're still doing good and think, I'm not quitting show business, you know, you know, I've, but I realize I'm not spending enough time with my cars. No, no, I, no, I, no, but anyway. Conan O'Brien's life's goal, like a lot of comedians, was to host The Tonight Show. And when this plan was presented to him, he he was willing to accept it because it, it offered him that. Yes. And also because, as you write in the book, he was very loyal to NBC. He was. Um, who had given him a chance when he was just a, a you know, a writer for The Simpsons. Right. Um, what about Jay Leno? How was this plan presented to uh, Leno, and and what did he make of it? It was uh, uh, presented to Leno unexpectedly in a meeting. Uh, he, he thought he was just going to get his contract extended, as it had been extended routinely along this whole period of time. And um, he did not know that NBC had already made the deal with Conan to guarantee him the show so it, it it was presented to jay in a way well we're going to give you one more contract one more five-year contract but that's going to be it and then conan's going to get the show and uh i guess the right word for jay's reaction was poleaxed he was he just felt like he was steamrolled over and uh felt you know as he said brokenhearted that he was being fired he thought this was a tantamount to saying yeah it's in five years but at that point you're off you're fired and for a guy who Listen, everything about Jay is doing that show and, you know, getting ratings and being number one. It was you know, a real shocker and it, 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 it hurt him. There's no question. It, it seems like uh, Jay Leno is is a bit of a, a kind of get along kind of guy. Did, did he did he protest at the time? He didn't protest much. I, I, his initial reaction was, oh, you know, if that's what you guys want, you know, if that's what you guys want. And his 
general demeanor is of a guy who doesn't want to rock the boat. And he doesn't, it's funny because he doesn't want to draw attention to himself that much by being sort of, you know, uh, aggressive. He doesn't do that. But that didn't last. He had seller's remorse quickly. Um, did Jay Leno have the same feelings about the institution of The Tonight Show that uh, that Conan famously had or that Letterman, frankly, 15 years later or whatever it is now, still seems to have? It's an interesting question. Um, I, I don't detect that kind of mythic, uh, idyllic th- uh, picture of The Tonight Show that the other guys seem to have in Jay, because Jay is a... Jay is like a, a hard-working craftsman. That's his persona. And uh, I think he looked at it as the best job in television, not as a dream. And he, and he would contrast that to Conan all the time. Conan would say it was a dream. And, and Jay would say, no, it's not a dream. It's a job. He wanted it because it was the best job. And what Jay wants to do more than anything on earth is tell jokes every night on television. That's what he wants to do. So that's the best place to do it. I, I, I don't think he fell close to Carson ever. He, you know, does often talk about Johnny as the ideal, but he didn't, I don't think he fell close to him like Letterman did. Letterman idolized Carson. Uh, I I think it was much more, um, you know, pragmatic for Jay than anything else. Did Jay Leno, uh, especially during this time, the the latter years that he was hosting The Tonight Show, um, how did he feel about uh, the fact that he was broadly considered to be um, while very successful and very competent, um, not, I guess, what you would call an artist in the way that certainly Letterman um, and to a certain extent uh, uh, Conan as well were considered to be. Well, it's hard to believe that it didn't bother him a little uh, because, you know, he, a lot of shots were taken at him and he's like anyone else, he's human. But, um, he does not think that way. I mean, I think he feels like, look, this is a, a show that needs to appeal to the biggest possible audience. The only way to do that is to be broad. And, and, and he would say his, his model was more Bob Hope. You know, try to be a comedian that everybody kind of likes. Part of that is becoming a, a master joke teller as opposed to a comic artist. He's a master joke teller. And, you know, Jay does this outside the show like at a manic pace he performs on stages in vegas and elsewhere about 180 dates a year something that i would imagine comes from doing that many dates on the stand-up stage that you can see in seeing him perform his monologue relative to conan or or even or or even letterman who has certainly you know uh, broadened his act since he started hosting a show at, at that time um is that Jay will sell any joke he tells. Any joke he tells, he will sell it 10 out of 10. Yeah. And he tells 25, 30 jokes yes. in, his, in his monologue. And um, even when he, was, even when he w- had accepted The Tonight Show and, and was hosting The Tonight Show, um, about half of Conan's jokes uh, ended up with him making fun of the joke that he just told. And Larry King called to ask me what time he's supposed to take his pills. Which I <laughs> You just wanted to know? All right, I settled you down with my humor. Uh, suddenly you're like, why were we standing? What the hell was that all about? Which Carson did a lot, by the way. Carson would also, if the jokes weren't working, he'd do a soft shoe, he'd do something. 
Uh, Jay does believe in selling the joke. He has this, and a lot of comics do admire this. He's he's got great technique as a stand-up, and Dave will give him total credit for this, by the way. Uh, he 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 does the thing where he knows how to raise his voice at the end of a joke, and and you know adds a little a little coda to each joke. Exactly, exactly. Like he'll try to keep pushing the joke as as best he can, and it's a stage technique. You know, he's obviously learned it, and um, and it kind of works because the audience gets more into it. And I think, you know, it's it's now his signature. That's what he does. Hey, here's a story we just saw on the news not 20 minutes ago. I guess Madonna is seeking a restraining order against this guy who's been lurking around outside her house. Well, I hope she gets it. That's a serious thing. But you know, I can't help thinking, if you're a peeping Tom, right, of all the people you could go after, why pick Madonna? What part of this woman haven't you seen already? <laughs> I think he just wants to see her with her clothes on. That's probably what it is. During this five-year period, there was much discussion of whether Leno actually had any interest in stepping down at the end of it. Yeah. Um, and as Leno started to make little jokes about it on, on the air and sort of, you know, uh, sort of passive, passive aggressively point out that um, he was... Uh, that he was dissatisfied with the situation. It became more and more clear uh, that the top dog in late night TV was going to take his show on the road over to uh, Another Fox network. or mm-hmm. ABC um, at, at the end of that contract. Um, what was going on in the halls of NBC with the people who had made this decision? Did, for one thing, did they actually believe that he was going to quit? And and how did they react as it became abundantly clear that he wasn't? I don't know that they ever really thought he was going to quit. If they did, they really don't know this guy. I mean, there's no way you could think Jay Leno was going to quit. He, he gave me a great line. You know, his, his mother was born in Scotland. And his line was, uh, I'm Scottish. We die in the mine. <laughs> and that's his approach. You know, he, he intends to die on the air. Uh, so I don't think they were convinced he would leave. I think they thought... By the time the five years is up, he will start to fade. He can't maintain this pace. He'll be close to 60, and he'll start, his numbers will start to fade. And so it'll be a natural progression. And he'll do something else for the network. They wanted him to be the Bob Hope of the network. Oh, we'll have him on every once in a while with a show, which is not Jay. Jay has to do everything every day. He's quite committed to that. So when the time started to come and he wasn't fading, now they had to look at it and say, well, what are we going to do? Because if he does go to ABC and it would have been ABC, they were very close at that point to getting Jay. He's probably going to beat Conan uh, because he hasn't faded at all. And well, not only is that bad for the network ratings, it's really bad for me because I made that decision. Me, Jeff Zucker, I made that decision. And if he goes and beats Conan, I've made a bad decision. So he had to figure a way, some way to try to keep Jay at NBC. And that became his goal in the last year, year and a half, trying to find some offer he could give to to him that, that would make him stay. And it certainly wasn't going to be the Bob Hope thing. Oh, every Christmas you do a special. No, that's not Jay. Production of The Sound of Young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Bill Carter. He writes for the New York Times and is the author of both The Late Shift and, most recently, The War for Late Night. Each is the story of a battle to become host of The Tonight Show. NBC uh, was, until uh, just very recently, owned by General Electric. 
And you write in the book about the way that being owned by General Electric affected the decisions that the CEO of NBC, Jeff Zucker, was making. Um, what was their outlook? What was the length of their outlook? They had very short vision because they knew this was uh, a quarter-to-quarter business. And unfortunately, in television, that's a really bad way to operate because, you know, you have to look ahead and try to buy the next thing that comes down the road. And NBC was failing at a really chronic pace. Um, and in regard to the how this affected late night, I mean, the way they got uh, Conan to agree to this five-year uh, waiting period was – you know that they would guarantee him the show upon with a big penalty. The penalty was forty-five or fifty million dollars. That if they, he didn't get it, they had to pay him off. So there were people in NBC who, as time went on, saw that Jay was still doing well, and they would say, you know, maybe we should keep him. I mean, what is, why should we give Conan the show? He's not going to win. If if we're afraid he's going to go to ABC and beat him, why should we let him go to ABC? We should keep him. Let's pay the penalty. Well. I, I think Zucker knew that there was no way on earth GE was going to pay that penalty. You know, going to pay the guy $50 million to go away for nothing? We're paying that kind of money when we're counting pencils? It just didn't, it wasn't going to square. So, again, that made him figure that my only alternative is to keep Jay somehow. It seems like every decision that you chronicle that NBC makes over the course of this 10-year story is a defensive one. Yeah. That's about avoiding something that they don't like rather than doing something that they do like. Exactly. That is what that's exactly the point that they they never could make a choice. They if they could if they could have stepped back and said, "Here is what our choice is. We think Conan is the future. Whatever happens with Jay, it's too bad, but that's it. That's our choice." Or we don't know about Conan. So if he goes to Fox, he goes to Fox. We have Jay. We got to stick stick with him. They just couldn't do that. They kept trying to figure out a way to keep pushing the can down the road, hoping the circumstances would change, and then whatever happened would become clear. That's why in five years, Jay's bound to fade. So that makes sense. Well, he didn't. And then you got to protect that decision. Well, we made that decision, so what are we going to do to protect that? And they kept it kept escalating on them. Did they believe that any – did they sincerely believe – um, and and I you can one can see from the book that while rel- there's there's not a huge amount of direct quotes, I can see that you spoke with uh, the variety of of levels of executives who worked on this problem at NBC. Yes, did they think that any of these solutions were solutions? Yeah, I think they believed that when they finally came up with this plan to put Jay at ten o'clock, that that would be a, a, serve two purposes. That would keep Jay. Uh, it would it, it means that he wouldn't go against Conan. They'd be okay with Conan on Tonight Show. And their 10 o'clock hour, which was failing anyway because they didn't have money to develop good shows, they could put on a cheaper show that would be r- relatively competitive because of the whole shrinking universe for television in general. And they therefore could you know save money, uh, keep both guys, and it would look like some brilliant master stroke. And then the Jay Leno show turned out to be horrible. That was something they also should have anticipated. <laughs> but because, because, and I'm not trying to pick on Jay, but what they were asking Jay to do was literally impossible um, for, for any comedian, but also, you know, particularly for Jay, he doesn't do this kind of thing. They, they didn't want to call it a variety show. They didn't want to make it a variety show. So instead, they were going to make it a comedy show. Well, five nights a week, an hour-long comedy show, 
Who has ever done that? Nobody's ever done that. In primetime? Impossible. You'd have to have a staff of, you know, if a sitcom has 10 writers to make half an hour a week, you'd, you'd need a, a staff of 200 you'd, to it, to make that volume of comedy. Exactly. And, and, and they were trying to stay away from the Tonight Show format to, to not totally preempt Conan. So they couldn't do fill it up with you know interviews to, back to back. So in the second act, they're trying to fill fill it up with you know newcomer performers who the producer of the show knew they would never have put on the Tonight Show, and they're in prime time now. So they they built in failure to the show. I mean, and I, you know I, I just think Jay. It took years for Jay to figure out these departments that could make the second act work. Now he's going to fill more time. It just made no sense, you know. So they're driving cars around the parking lot. They're having these pseudo interviews on satellite that are supposed to be funny. It really was a train wreck and quickly was apparent to the stations that they couldn't tolerate it quickly. Let's say hello to Miley Cyrus. After some months of Leno's primetime show struggling and Conan's Tonight Show not delivering in ratings either, NBC approached Conan, asking that The Tonight Show be pushed back to 12.05, just after midnight, to allow Leno to precede him for half an hour. Conan didn't agree to the change, and the conflict played out in the press and even in the show's nightly monologues. Here's a clip from one of the last Tonight Shows with Conan O'Brien. You can also hear past Sound of Young America guest Andy Richter in this clip. He's Conan's longtime sidekick. Now, everyone, this is, I guess it's all over the Internet. People are talking about the terms of my settlement and what's it all about. And the terms of my settlement, I'll be honest with you, say that I can't host another show for seven months. That's what it says, yeah. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, next week, look forward to the Andy Richter show with his sidekick, me. Yeah! (laughs) That's going to be good. It's it's on Animal Planet. Yeah. And uh, I am going to put you in charge of Kitten Corner. Very nice. Oh, yeah. There's this conflict in the book um, that struck me as being so emblematic of the difference in point of view between NBC and uh, the Conan O'Brien team. And that is, in fact, it's two conflicts separated by about 10 years. They both have to do with Andy Richter. Right. Now, Andy Richter, I should say, has been a guest on The Sound of Young America before, been a guest on our other show, Jordan Jesse Go. I know Andy Richter. I think he's brilliant. Um, there is, at one point, as I recall, uh, uh, early on, uh, an NBC executive uh, calls Andy Richter a big fat dildo. Correct. Get that big fat dildo off the couch. That's the um, message they gave him. And and uh, they they their feeling is not that much different about Andy Richter returning to the Tonight Show. Um, they soften on him eventually on late night. Right. But they feel that he separates Conan from the audience and right. um, uh, and that they don't understand what he's there for. Right now, at the same time. The people who are interested, and I feel like maybe you quoted somebody from a different show. Yes. Saying. Andy scores every time. Every time he makes a comment, he's funny. Yeah. So how is it possible that the people who are in charge of this show and the people who are making these shows can have such a different perspective on such a central element? (laughs) Well, the people who are making the show love Andy. Uh, I think Conan is always tickled by Andy. And whatever Andy says does break him up. He, he, he's one of those guys that just makes him laugh. I have to say, I was watching the show last night and laughing my butt off at some different stuff Andy said. Andy's funny. I mean, and 
But you know what? You can't argue with somebody who says somebody isn't funny. Because if they don't think he's funny, what, what can you do to convince them? He, he, it strikes them differently. And, you know, it is true that Andy, when he was on The Tonight Show, was at this podium and he was off to the right. And Conan would look off camera a lot. to, to And that's, you know, against the rule book, I guess. You know, you're, you should be addressing the audience. And, and the, the people in the studio may know Andy's there, but we don't. So stop looking off that way. And and so they felt like he was pulling Conan out of the you know the connection that he needed to make with the audience. Um, I think again it comes down to the fundamental difference between the way the audience appreciated Conan, the audience that likes him, and NBC because they didn't get him in the same way that the audience got him. Similarly, they didn't want him to do the string dance. And you know, I noticed when he came to uh, his first show on TBS, he did a big fat string dance, because, which is which is the actual <clears throat> name of the funny dance he does that yes. involves rubbing his nipples. That's a great pulling on the strings on his hip. I mean, it is really dorky looking on one <laughs> level, and on another level, it's kind of his signature, and it's funny. And you know, Johnny did a golf move. He does he he does the string dance for NBC. This was anathema. They hated this. It just <laughs> it just they felt it was alienating every viewer over forty. And you know what? It was. It does. It's true, but that's who Conan is. You have to accept that. If you're going to give him the show, let him be Conan. I, I want to play this clip of um, what uh, you describe a, a Jimmy Kimmel of, as having recognized as a TV moment, right. um, which is Jimmy Kimmel doing this, uh, frankly, kind of awful segment on the Jay Leno show called 10 at 10, right. um, in which Jay Leno's writers wrote uh, B-minus jokes for C-minus celebrities, generally. Right. Um, let, let's hear a little bit of this. Okay. Number five, you're known for pranks. What's the best prank you ever pulled? Well, I, when my Aunt Chippy was at work, I painted her house orange and green once, and she was not happy. Really? The whole outside of the house was orange. Yeah. <laughs> But the best, I think the best prank I ever pulled was, I told a guy, I told a guy that five years from now, I'm going to give you my show. And then when the five years came, I gave it to him, and then I took it back almost instantly. Wow. Wow. It was hilarious. Wow. Wow. He still wants to speak to me. Very good prank. Very good prank. I, I think he works at Fox or something yeah. now. Yeah, I got you. Do you think that NBC had an understanding of what this situation meant in the context of comedy, in the context of people who were doing creative work in the world of comedy. People like Jimmy Kimmel, who grew up with a, you know, his first car had a license plate that said late night on it. No, if you're asking, did they have any concept of the comedy value? The answer is a big fat no, because they never think that way. I mean, they never thought to themselves, who's the best host for The Tonight Show? If they thought that to begin with, they would have kept Letterman. They would have said, who's the funnier guy? If we're going to measure that, we're going to say, who's the better artist? We're going to hire that guy. But that's not what networks do. There's another part of the book where this guy, Jeff Garland, who's a friend of Conan, says, you know, comedy fans like Conan... And people who just kind of, kind of watch comedy, like Jay, and he compared it to Kenny G and John Coltrane. And he said, you know, Kenny G sold way more albums, but nobody thinks he's better than John Coltrane. Well, you know who does? NBC would, because he sold more albums. They would think that. That is the business they're in. So it didn't matter to them that Dave was funnier. Dave was going to be a problem. Jay wasn't. Jay would be malleable. He'd go to the affiliates. That made more sense to them. And in the long run, they were probably right. That was right, that he's a broader guy. And what, what they were wrong about was that Conan, they thought Conan could broaden out to this 
Vegasy style. That's not his style. It's, it would be foolish for Conan to do that. Jay, like, like Carson, goes to Vegas and performs. Can you imagine Conan going to Vegas and performing in a hotel? I can't. I think it's just not that kind of comedy. So they misjudged the whole situation, I think. All kidding aside, though, it was announced today that uh, very late last night, NBC and I reached an agreement, and tomorrow, this is official, will be the very last Tonight Show uh, with Conan O'Brien. So, ladies and gentlemen and people that are watching, here is the plan. Tonight and tomorrow night, we're going to have a lot of fun on television. That's what we're going to do. That's what it's all about. The last episode of The Tonight Show with Conan O'Brien aired in January of 2010. Here's Conan later that year talking about the whole ordeal on CBS's 60 Minutes. The biggest thing people come up and say to me in gas stations and restaurants, I have so many people say this to me, hey, partner, you got screwed. I don't, and I always tell them, no, I didn't. I didn't get screwed. I'm, I'm fine. It just, it didn't work out. Well, you did get screwed. You think I got screwed. <laughs> well, I think most people think you got screwed. I mean, Jay Leno thinks you got screwed. Jay Leno thinks he got screwed. How did he get screwed? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that part to me. <sighs> Jay's got the Tonight Show. I have a beard and inflatable bat. And I'm touring city to city. Who can say who won and who lost? <laughs> I'm laughing because crying would be sad. It's The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Bill Carter. He wrote the book The Late Shift and most recently The War for Late Night. Both of them chronicle the struggle to attain the hosting duties of the coveted Tonight Show. You're the person who, um, in the outside world, was probably closest to this as this was happening. You were already, I mean, besides just being a reporter for the New York Times, you're, uh, you were already the uh, late night comedy talk show guy right? Um, when this s- stuff w- went down. Um, over the course of the year or so that you were talking to people um, uh, for this book, what did you find out that you um, that you didn't expect, that you didn't anticipate, given this background that you had? I think, you know, along the way, it was a whole lot of, of things that went along. I didn't really grasp how Conan's contractual situation was going to play into this because uh, many of the agents and lawyers, when they found out that he didn't have a specific time period guarantee in his last iteration of that contract, which, by the way, the Conan lawyers say didn't matter because had, they had it previously, but it mattered to the extent that NBC thought they could do this. They could go around Conan's back and say, well, we're moving the show. It's, you're still on the Tonight Show. You can't leave. And this was something that was in other people's yes. late night TV contracts. Specifically in the contracts of Letterman, Leno. John Stewart, even Jimmy Kimmel, that you can't change the time period. And it was a specific clause that had to be added as, you know, something as a codicil to the contract. And it wasn't in there. So NBC thought that meant they could act with impunity. Whether they really could have and would have won in court is a whole other question. The Conan people think they would have killed them in court because it was in a previous contract. Who knows? All I know is if they had it in there, none of this would have happened because they would have had to approach Conan to begin with. So that was very interesting. I didn't know about Jay's pay-and-play contract, which I'd never heard of before, which was stunning to me, although understandable in a way, because he needed to have some protection going into that crazy idea of the 10 o'clock thing. I didn't know the affiliates bailed as early as they did. I mean, we, we heard about it, you know, in late November, early December, they were having trouble with the 10 o'clock show. They were complaining in October that, that the show was, was a failure, and we were planning to pull out on it right away, almost immediately. 
So that was kind of an amazing situation. I, I know that, you know, that Conan felt like you know, the the way Jay played it finally really pushed him over the edge in his personal relationship with, with uh, Jay. And I know Jay, and I know he picks up the phone and calls. He picks it, and this he never called, and that struck me as really odd. But then I found that NBC told him not to call. They told, they said, don't call, because Conan had so, re- reacted so viscerally to the to the notion that he was being moved to 1205 with a, with a, you know, statement of, you know, what does Jay have on you people? You know, it finally comes out of him his kind of resentment about, about Jay. So they, you know, that was a reason, for, there was a reason for that. And then the affiliates, for example, after they decide that they're, they're going to get Jay out of there, they have to sort of make a decision about, well, what do they think about the 1130 show? So, so they took a poll uh, between Conan and, and Jay, and Conan didn't get one vote. They all voted for Jay. He just failed at 10 o'clock, but they all wanted him back at 1130 because they're not Jay's, they're, they're Jay's audience. They're 50 year old white guys. That's, and one of the big things that struck me about this was when I started to write about it in the paper and online, many of the comments from Conan's fans were deeply bitter about the baby boom generation. There was a huge generational reaction to this. When are they getting off the stage? We are sick of them. We're sick of their music. We're sick of everybody paying attention to them. And here's this guy coming back and grabbing this show again. And boy, it was really strong. And, and it fed this whole Team Coco movement. And it really is still feeding it today. I mean, it was a very significant and interesting uh, development in the story. So Conan O'Brien uh, has now been doing shows on uh, on TBS for some time as this airs. And um, this is a late night world that is dramatically fractured. Um, does this still work? Like, does this, is this format something that's built around the idea of there being a single locus? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question going forward. And a lot of people are asking that question because these big brassy shows, and Conan's still doing one, by the way, with a huge band, huge band, and big sets, and segment producers, and costume departments, etc. Those are very expensive shows to do. Except in the, in, in the old days, you made so much money, it was no problem. Now they're, as you said, fractured. There's too many of them. Nobody's getting very big numbers. Um, although I think Conan's doing well with the younger audience. He's going to make a profit if he keeps this up. But I think the future is one of two things. Um, either the either the John Stewart model, which is a small studio, a writing staff, and a funny guy. And no band, and you don't do any big extraneous acts on that show. He sits behind a desk. Or the other interesting thing to think about is, let's say Dave quits sometime, or Jay, and instead of replacing him uh, at the Tonight Show, you just take the whole late night out, both shows out. Like, if they thought Jimmy Fallon was strong enough then, you make Jimmy Fallon the host of the Tonight Show, you kill the second show, and you run him 90 minutes. You go back to the original Carson model, you eliminate one whole staff, all those writers, all those producers, maybe it makes money again. Uh, and you also obviously cut down on all the guests you have to book, etc. That's another way to go. Do one show instead of two. Are we at the point where these shows are not necessarily making money, having gone from, I mean, just 10 years ago, making literally hundreds of millions of dollars yep. a year? It's true. 
one of the NBC executives, Jeff Gaspin, said to me when I was interviewing him after all this went down, he said, you know, the Conan show was going to lose money. The Conan Tonight show was going to lose $23 million, is what NBC said. That year, the Conan people protested that. But um, I said, well, you know, you brought Jay back. Jay's more expensive than Conan. Said, you know, and he said, oh, no, no, we'll lose money with Jay, too. I said, you're going to lose money on The Tonight Show? Yes, Tonight, tonight, we may not have a Tonight Show in five years. He said, it's, it's a money loser. I was staggered by that. It, as you said, $150 million 10 years earlier. It's just so shrunken, and, and, and the older guys are not attracting younger people at all now. So the money is just not there. The big-time advertising rates are just not there. And you might, but the, the actual idea is so uh, economically sound, if you do it right, if you have a limited cost structure that, all you need is a big talent behind the desk. You might be able to get away with it. And somebody said the Regis model. You know, he doesn't have any writers. <laughs> he has, he's just sitting up there winging it. And I think Letterman could do that, by the way. He does that basically from the desk every night. So if you have a guy like that, then, you, then you're back to the fact that you have the cheapest possible model. The other, by the way, the other bad si- side of it for these guys is, you know, if they do something really good, you don't have to watch it. It's on YouTube the next day. So the, the compelling nature of the show where we got to see what's on Dave tonight. You don't have to do that anymore. And that's a bad thing in the future, too. Well, Bill, thank you so much for taking all this time to be on The Sound of Young America. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. Bill Carter is the author of the new book, The War for Late Night, When Leno Went Early and Television Went Crazy. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I have been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our music is provided to us by Dan Wally. Our producer is Julia Smith. Our editor, Nick White. You can find all of our programs online for free at MaximumFun.org, including our comedy talk show, Jordan, Jesse, Go, in addition to The Sound of Young America, and lots of other cool stuff. If you have thoughts about the show or you want to bring us out to perform at your local cabaret venue... I don't know why we would perform in a cabaret venue. Anyway, the moral of the story is you can email me at jesse at org. Otherwise, we'll see you right here, same bat time, same bat channel. Bye-bye. The Sound of Young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com.